Welcome to Inside Out. Without prejudice or boundaries, this space is for raw and vulnerable conversations surrounding health, mental well-being, relationships, parenthood, and so much more. Our goal is to deliver a conversation that will educate and empower you through shared experiences told by inspiring and relatable guests. My name is Chris. I'm a wife, mum, and stepmom who is on a personal journey that cultivates a life of alignment and intention. I hope these conversations encourage you to do the same. Let's dive deep into today's episode. Hello and welcome back to Inside Out episode 23. I was honoured to speak with Matrescence Educator, Women's Life Cycle Guide and host of Dear Mama Project podcast, Nikki McCann, recently. I've always admired Nikki's work. She has an ability to lean into her own vulnerability and create space for honest conversations, bringing light to motherhood and the transitions we face both internally and externally. In this conversation, Nikki shares her work and how looking at life through the lens of Matrescence has allowed her to shift perspective in many facets of her journey. We talk about Nikki's journey into motherhood with her beautiful son and she shares her recent experience in pregnancy loss and the resources that she's lent into through this time to support her healing. Nikki also shares ways we can encourage ourselves to live with more intention and alignment every single day. This is a very raw and honest conversation and this episode may trigger intrusive or heavy thoughts surrounding pregnancy loss. If you do feel you need support or further resources to lean on, please contact Panda or Cope. I have linked their details into the show notes. hope that you enjoyed this very special conversation. Hi, Nikki. Thank you so much for putting aside some time to chat with me today. I'm so excited to be here. Thank you for inviting me. For those who aren't regular listeners of your podcast and haven't had the pleasure of following your journey on Instagram just yet, can you share a little on you, Nikki, and just a snapshot into your life right now? Yeah, um, well, my name is Nikki and I live on the Gold Coast. I am a mum of a four-year-old boy. Um, I'm married to my husband, wonderful husband, Darren, um, and I became a mum in 2016. So, uh, yeah, four years ago now. Um, And I, before being a mum, worked in learning and development. Um, I was an instructional designer and I created sort of learning programs for corporate businesses and I had really worked hard to get to that career. I'd actually um, not finished school and I had started at the sort of bottom of the the rung and slowly kind of clawed my way up to having what for me was like quite a successful career and I really associated a lot of my worth and who I was as a person with this career and and how it made me sort of feel about myself. I filled a lot of my sort of self-worth with that. Um, And then I fell pregnant in 2015 and I was so excited and was just so busy planning the nursery and what pram I wanted and, you know, cute going home outfits for him. And I did spend a lot of time thinking about the birth as well and what sort of birth I wanted to have. And then I had him and realized I'd given absolutely no thought to what would happen after I, after he was born. I really didn't think about how becoming a mum was going to impact my life. And I found that it kind of knocked me sideways, to be honest, Mm -hmm. because I really just thought that motherhood was this thing I was going to be able to tack on to my 
busy life and mm-hmm. I thought that my life wouldn't change mothering would just be another thing that I would sort of add to my CV as you would <laughs> <laughs> and I had these really you know romanticized ideas of um, taking him to mums and bubs Pilates classes and having these nice long you know coffee dates with other mums and then I suddenly found myself um, the first few months after he was born at home by myself alone trying to figure out this new role of being a mum and also at the same time going through this really huge identity shift and I really felt like my whole world had been like tipped upside down inside out I didn't know which way was up anymore particularly because I had associated so much of my worth as a person around what I did and the roles that I fulfilled within my life. So I thought that I was my career. I thought that I was my body. I thought that I was my social circle or um, the way that I, I was, I guess I could, the best way I can explain it is that it was like I had a mask on of all of these identities that I was and then becoming a mum was like that mask got ripped off and I was suddenly kind of meeting myself for the first time and really seeing like who I was when I wasn't attached to my career or attached to any of those sort of external measures of success. And that was a really big process. <laughs> I felt um, like I had sort of never really understood that that's that I wasn't who, I wasn't um, what I could do for others, I wasn't how others perceived me, that I was something bigger than that, that my, who I was as a person wasn't about what I did. So um, becoming a mum, basically, yeah, just huge transformation. Um, It ended up leading to and being the catalyst for some really deep healing work around some wounds that I had around self-worth and around my own childhood and around um, what, who I wanted to be in the world. So that was like a really big process. Um, I ended up getting postnatal depression when my son was six months old because I was in a new city. I didn't know anybody um, and I didn't know how to meet any sort of mum friends. Um, I found that really difficult. I went to the childhood health clinic when my son was 10 weeks old um, to join the mother's group and my son was too, I was told my son was too old that I'd missed the boat. Um, so beyond that, I really didn't know how to meet people. And having a support network of people when you're going through particularly, well, all the time, but particularly that really, those really early days of motherhood is really, really important. And for me, I didn't have that. And that ended up sort of leading to, yeah, um, experiencing some real struggle. And um, I started a community for mums about 12 months after my son was born, um, which ended up growing really quickly. And I did that for three years. Um, and it was recently acquired by the Centre of Perinatal Excellence, COPE. And then sort of about maybe a year and a half into it, I thought it was just me that was going through this big transformation. I thought that it was just there was something wrong with me and that I had been like living this other life and then motherhood had flipped my world upside down. And then I started learning about matrescence. And mm-hmm. and when I heard that word and realized that this is an actual process that we go through when we become mums, that we do shift our identity, that who we are changes, what we want from our life changes. Um, it was like a light bulb went off for me because I realized that this process that I had been going through was a real thing. It wasn't something that I was imagining. And then through doing that and understanding, starting to begin to understand matrescence, I started seeing 
how becoming a mother had led to my own personal growth and transformation and I just became fascinated by it. So um, I started studying anything and everything I could get my hands on about matrescence, about um, growth and development as an adult. Um, And, yeah, I decided to create a community last year in, I think it was August 2019, just basically to start sharing what I had learned and help other women lean into this as being a really powerful catalyst for their own growth and development. And that's what I do now. I'm really super passionate about it, probably slightly obsessed, you could say. (laughs) Um, But I just think that, you know, becoming a mum is this huge event and so much of the focus is on the babies and I just really want um want to inspire people to to think about themselves as well Uh, I resonate so much with what you've just said there I um was recently listening to a podcast with Kylie Camps and Lauren White and um they were talking about the paradox in a woman's life being loneliness Mm. and I had like a moment where I held my breath I was walking and I went oh my goodness like wow, that just, you know, honed in on how I felt when I had my son, Jesse. He's um, Mm. almost two now. But even though I had all, I was really grateful I had a lot of support around me, I had this wave of loneliness and I thought I had depression. I thought I had postpartum. And my husband actually said, like, I think you've got postpartum at one point because I had lost connection, I suppose, with the social life and the, and the woman that I was before I had my son. I was a stepmom beforehand and I've had my stepdaughters now for four or five years. Um, we have them half and half, but um, and I'd been living with them for three years, but half and half means you get it every second weekend off. Or, you know, my husband and I had this relationship where we would go out and we were going for all these beautiful dinners and we go away once a month at least. Like we had all of these opportunities and, you know, totally grateful for that in that time but then I became a full-time mum stay-at-home mum I was in the corporate life in an office as well um with our business and I was just at home with this little guy on me 24 7 so I absolutely resonate with everything you said there I think like what you just said is just so true in terms of we're not prepared for it before we go through it and in times gone by we would have been surrounded by women who would have held us as we're going through this transition and who would have let us know that we are going to be reborn when we become mothers and that we're going to be going through this transformation process but in the absence of being held like that and and, and receiving that information you do think well there's something wrong with me like there must be something wrong with me that I'm not who I was before, that I am changing my identity, that my relationships are changing. Like maybe I'm just not doing this right. And I think that's the that's the 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 sadness and the just the the grief in all of this is that when we don't know that this is a process and we're not told this, is that we think that it's our fault. And that's why I think it's just so important to talk about this and to have these conversations and to to let people know that it's not your fault if you're changing, like this is a developmental process and it's actually a really beautiful thing, but it's going to be hard too. Yeah, totally understand and resonate so much with that. Like it's, you're a completely different woman when you become a mum and there's nothing wrong with that. And we need to stop associating that with, with shame, I suppose, as well, because a lot of women feel like they're weak suddenly and they can't be the version of themselves that they were and that's a weakness and I just think Mm. that that's so wrong such a wrong mindset to have Mm, definitely so you are a matrescence educator and women's life cycle guide and 
I would love to know a little bit more about matrescence. So for those that are at the infant stages, I suppose, of understanding this terminology, it's so new in, in, um, in our language. What does matrescence mean? Yeah, you're, you're right. It is like a, a new word or a new concept for a lot of people. And it's really only just sort of in the last few years that this concept has gained momentum, but it has actually for quite some time. So the word matrescence was coined in the 1970s by an anthropologist called Dr. Dana Raphael. And she used, she created the word to describe the process of mother becoming. And she said that um, having a child doesn't make a mother out of a woman. The time that it takes to become a mother needs to be sort of calculated. It, it takes time. It's not an instant um, sort of thing that as soon as you're pregnant, as soon as you give birth, as soon as the baby's placed in your arms, that you're a mother. It takes mm -hmm. time. It's a developmental process. So she coined the word, she also coined the word doula and that gained traction, you know, really quickly. We see doula as a part of our sort of vocabulary in the um, birth pregnancy world. But the word matrescence was sort of buried in the textbooks. So it was, it was come, it was created and then no one really sort of explored it beyond that until a woman, an incredible woman called Dr. Um, Aurelie Athen, who is a clinical psychologist and professor at Columbia University, she stumbled across the word when she was trying to find a concept or a framework to explore what is a normative, so a, a normal sort of transition into motherhood and what's the developmental process like. So she found the word and then started applying that concept to women's growth. And then from there, she started building a body of evidence to support that when women are going through matrescence, they're process that's happening we're undergoing really significant change what does that change actually look like and starting to sort of quantify what that actually means and since then so that was in I think 2008 that she um, came across that word and started um, started that process since then there's a really big body of evidence that supports that women have really profound changes when they become a mum so we're talking everything from our brains change like the structures mm -hmm. of our brain changes when we become a mother and that we go through really significant hormonal events that have a really big flow-on effect it's the most significant like pregnancy is the most significant hormonal event of a woman's life um, we're talking also about economic changes, career changes, what we value changes, how we relate to the world, um, our capacity for empathy and compassion, being able to understand other people. There's all of these really phenomenal changes happening. And I think one of the best ways to kind of begin to understand matrescence, and this is from um, Aurelie and her work that she's done at the um, Columbia University, is to think about matrescence like adolescence, we understand that when a child becomes an adult, they go through a period called adolescence, and that's the developmental process, right? We have language around that. We understand it. We have compassion for teenagers when they're going through adolescence. We know they're going to be a bit moody. We know they're going to be a little bit sort of trying to find their place in the world. They might be getting hormonal breakouts. They might be shifting their peer groups. Maybe they're um, making new friends, leaving behind old friends, that there's a process that's happening. It's the same thing with matrescence. So we're going from woman to mother, matrescence is that in-between sort of stage where we're trying to figure out who we are. We're trying to figure out what matters to us now and who we want to be in this new world. The, I guess, point of difference, though, in terms of matrescence and adolescence is that adolescence has a sort of finish line. So we know that 
it's going to finish around this time for people. They'll, there is a, a point where adolescents finish and you become an adult, whereas with matrescence, they believe it can be lifelong. So there's definitely an acute period where you're really, um, everything sort of feels, as I said, like the world's been tipped upside down and inside out. But matrescence is an ongoing process of change and transformation because we will continue to change as our children grow. So the experience of being a mother to a, you know, three-month-old is really different to, I imagine, what it would be like to have a 20-year-old. So (laughs) it's, there is acute periods in this matrescence transition, but it does, it's a lifelong process of change and transformation as a woman. I was recently listening to a TED talk by Alexandra Sachs, who is a reproductive psychiatrist, and she was talking about that it's not a coincidence that matrescence sounds like adolescence, um, and the hormonal shift, you know, is similar like adolescence. Matrescence isn't a disease, um, and just surrounding, she was having conversations surrounding that adolescence just has is flooded with research and studies and ongoing education, but matrescence isn't really in the medical vocabulary. Um, doctors aren't educating people about it. It's not a resource for women in, you know, prenatally. It's not something that I had heard of before you. And I speak to so many friends and family that have never heard of this and they are just shocked by this information. I think, like, it, it's overpowering and overwhelming sometimes how many women have gone through what we went through but didn't know and, and can't look back on that and reflect, oh, that was matrescence and that's why I felt this way. And they've, they've gone through their lives almost existing in a sense of not knowing who they are and, and not being able to identify what they want and what they want from their life, you know, and it's just it's heartbreaking to think that way. Yeah, it is. It is. It's, it is heartbreaking. And, you know, I hear from people who have got kids who are, who are in their 20s who are just hearing this word now and going, oh, my God, why didn't I know this? This makes so much sense now. This is what I went through. And I think that you're 100% right in saying that it needs to be something that we talk more about, particularly in terms of, um, you know, as you said, like the medical system, being able to um, have midwives or nurses who are actually informed about this process. And and I that's the dream. Like, I, I hope that that's where we get to, is that women are told about matrescence before they have their own initiation with it because we all do have like a big experience when we become a mother but if we had some language and understanding about what this transition might be like as you said we would not blame ourselves and think that there's something wrong with us we would go ah this is matrescence this is I've been warned about this and for the women that's you know, go through an experience with any form of negativity surrounding their birth experience, that's just an added layer of trauma that they have to go into. And that really comes into that transition and shift in identity as well, because you're told to prepare yourself for labor in a certain way. And, you know, I guess traditionally you've got three ways, which is, you know, um, vaginal birth or cesarean um, or, or something goes wrong. That's all you're told. You get something will go wrong. You could have emergency C, things like that. But you like, I didn't actually understand what an epidural was. I didn't understand that I lose like I, ha- I can still get up and walk around. There was a lot of misinformation that I was told and I've had two babies in the last three years. So for me, it's just I'm shocked that every that everyone's not on board with this across the states, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it is. And it's, as you said, the birth trauma is a really, really big issue. Um, I think it's one in one in three women experience birth trauma and to be starting your journey into motherhood 
from a traumatized place is is not good. Um, I read that statistic, sorry, too recently, and I was like, I've got three daughters under my roof. Like that shook me because, you know, that just sounds horrible for them to have to go through. And I hope that through sharing these in conversa- these conversations and bringing as much light and awareness that we can to this topic, that hopefully by the time you know my daughters are at a point to have babies, that this will just be common knowledge. Yeah, I hope so. Yeah. So tell me a little bit about your work as a women's life cycle guide by this. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, for me, when I learned about matrescence and had that aha moment, I just threw myself into learning as much as I could about uh, matrescence, about women's development, women's health. Um, I'm also really interested in the menstrual cycle and how that is a catalyst for us learning more about ourselves and also for um, for shedding some of the programming that we have about what it means to be a woman um, and some of the sort of cultural um, toxicity that we can absorb. So for me, matrescence um, is about helping matrescence education is about helping women understand what they're going to go through when they become a mother, helping them also lean into this process as being a catalyst for their own growth and transformation. Because as we've spoken about, it is this huge experience. It has both incredible joy with it, but also loss where, you know, we go through a process of having to adjust and let go of certain parts of our old life. And there can be, you know, grief associated with that. But it's an incredible catalyst for learning more about yourself, for healing old wounds. Like a lot of um, our wounding from, you know, childhood can come up around our maiden sort of experiences um, and really letting go of who we think we need to be and asking ourselves, like, who do I actually want to be? What's important to me? What do I want from my life? How do I want to mother? How do I want to live? Yep. And I do it, I explore matrescence within the context of women's life cycles more broadly. So understanding what is the journey of a woman that she goes through throughout her whole life from becoming a woman and with um, starting to bleed, like having a menstrual cycle to becoming a mother, then looking at what happens to us when we um, reach menopause and how that sort of impacts our experience as well. And I look at everything through the lens of, through the lens of cycles and season, cycles and seasons, because that is, I think, a really powerful way to understand what we're going through, understanding that everything has a rhythm and that we're going through a process whenever we're um, healing, that we're going to go through periods where things are really great and shiny and um, we want to be sort of uh, things things feel enlivened and um, we're excited and we want to be out in the world and then we go through periods of life where things can feel really hard, you know, like I think about, I know one of the questions that you have already for me um, here is around an experience I've had recently with pregnancy loss, understanding that I'm in a season, like a winter season at the moment where things feel heavy and I'm going underground and I just want to hibernate and I'm, I'm learning lessons and that this is productive even though it doesn't feel very nice that this is a a season that I'm going through and that spring is coming and I will come out of this and I will experience the growth and transformation. I will learn the lessons. I think is a really powerful way just to have more acceptance and surrender to whatever life is presenting us with 
particularly, you know, through the lens of matrescence and and knowing that this can feel really painful at times and to know that that pain still has a purpose and it's going to lead to something come spring, but you've just got to hold on through winter. And I like, that's just a lens that I view life through because for me, I find it um, easier to embrace harder times when we know that, that this is a part of a process and that it has purpose. Yeah, look, last week being Pregnancy and Infant Loss Awareness Week, I actually think it was the month. I don't think it was just a week, sorry. Mm-hmm. Just um, correct me if I'm wrong. But I found that, you know, my feed was flooded with beautiful, honest stories of heartache. And firstly, I do want to acknowledge your loss recently. And my heart felt so heavy when I saw your initial post. And I personally haven't been through this experience, but I'm close with a lot of women that have. And I think that you have an incredible ability to see perspective and see that growth in yourself that's coming and it's amazing that you can do that I do love how open you have been on social media surrounding this conversation and I know that you've done this to bring light to so I do want to ask you can you share some healing modalities I suppose that you've been leaning into in this time to support you moving through this grief and perhaps for women going through this too what are some things that you'd encourage them to do to support their healing yeah um I'll, I can share my experience with it, but I do also just want to recognize that like this is how I've moved through it. It's not necessarily going to work for everyone else because this is such a personal experience, like going through loss is so personal. So um, I've done things that work for me based on my personality and what I what I find helpful. Um and that's not necessarily going to work for everyone. So I'm happy to share, but just take it with a grain of salt. If something yeah. works for you, great. If it doesn't, just leave it. Yeah. Um, but I have shared it and I've shared it for the exact reason that you said, um, that this is uh, something that a lot of people do go through and don't talk about. And I wanted to, I guess, pay back a bit of the debt that was, sort of uh, that I incurred when I went through my experience because I was just surrounded by some really beautiful women. Um, As soon as I um, went through my loss, I reached out to a few people and was just inundated with support. And I think that unfortunately this is something that a lot of women go through and once you have been through it, you do want to help other people through it because it is so painful. Um, So that's why I've shared it. In terms of things that I did to support myself through moving through our loss, um, I had a missed miscarriage, which basically means that um, my I, the baby had passed away, but my body was still holding on to the baby. Um, and missed miscarriages are really, it's, it's not a very nice word, um, but that's sort of the terminology that we use, so I will use it. But um, basically went to a scan, found out that the um, baby had stopped growing and then sort of went home and was in this sort of limbo stage of waiting for my body to release the pregnancy and in that time I reached out to a group um, called I'll have to give you the name but it's Mama Mama Toto's and it's a group by Jane Hardwick Collings and Hygieia Health who are doing a lot of work around supporting women um, through COVID um, who are birthing during COVID or pregnant during COVID and I reached out to that group and sort of shared that I was had was in the middle of a miscarriage and did anyone have any sort of things to support me? Because 
I had never been through this before and I had known of people who had, but I had no idea how any of this worked. Um, And I was really inundated with support. And one of the big suggestions that I was given was to get a loss doula. Um, So a a birth, uh, early birth pregnancy loss doula, which I did. And that was really, really helpful for me. So basically what that entailed was that I had Um, contact with her and she emotionally supported me through the miscarriage and and how to prepare physically for what was going to happen and that really helped me because it gave me an idea of what to expect but also just made me feel like I was being emotionally supported through this experience by someone who had been there before and who could offer that to me and one of the most powerful things that she said to me was that even though this baby has not um, sort of gestated and it's not um, a full-term pregnancy. She's like, you've still been pregnant, you're still going to be having a birth process and you're still going to have a postpartum. So you still need to honour your postpartum in the same way that you would if your baby had arrived. And I think for me that just really validated the experience for me that this wasn't something that was just to be brushed under the carpet and pretended, pretend that it didn't happen, that my body had still been doing a really great job of creating and nourishing a pregnancy and was then going to go through a birth process and deserve to have rest afterwards in, in the same way that anyone would. And that was, yeah, really, really helpful for me and kind of changed my perspective on how I was going to support myself through this. So um, I had help from a naturopath in terms of herbs to support my body and to um, help support my body releasing the pregnancy. Um, I also did leaned on a lot of writing. I did a lot of creative stuff, like I was buying, setting my husband off to buy clay and paint and all of this sort of thing and just doing activities that were nourishing to me. And that let me create something with my hands as well. I felt like really drawn to just creation and, and doing something to to make things. Like I, I wanted to um, to do that. So I did that. Um, I really lent on other women who had been there before and who could support me through it and who were happy to chat to me about it. Um, I saw a psychologist as well and debriefed about what had happened and, and how I felt about it. Um, I, again, sort of did the, a lot of like rituals. So I, I, it was really, um, the day that it happened, my husband's like, can I get you anything? And I'm like, yes, I need tea, a book, a box, rose oil, and like all of these random things. (laughs) But for me, I just wanted to like nourish myself through it. So I did a lot of like, um, you know, talking really kindly to my body and saying, like, thank you for doing such a great job. Thank you for um, for everything. It's okay now. You can, like, let go. And I think that was one of the big things for me as well is that I wanted to make sure that if I was going to go through this experience, that I wasn't going to, that I was going to nourish my body and appreciate my body for what it had done rather than sort of hold animosity towards it, which is really hard as well. Um, but for me, I just really tried to kind of nourish my relationship with myself. Um, I did, I've also, I'm into sort of more spiritual things. So I did mm-hmm. a shamanic journey. I did some Reiki. Um, and I just, I really just tried to accept all help and support available. 
in saying that though, I also had time when I just would sort of needed to veg out and numb and I watched Outlander on repeat, you know, and I think that that's okay too. And it's important to talk about that. You don't need to um, be in it all the time. It's okay to kind of numb a little bit if you need to every now and then as long as you're doing it consciously and you know right now this is too much for me I need to just take a break and just escape for a little bit and yeah I think just talking about it as well um, is really really important. That statistic of one in four women will experience loss is a figure that I do struggle to come to terms with. Um, as I mentioned earlier, I have three daughters under my roof and the thought that they could potentially go through this heartache without their voice, I suppose, being heard, without the mental strength to work through their healing, I, to be honest. Um, but that's just why I think it's so important, as you said, to open this dialogue and just make sure that there's more awareness surrounding miscarriages and how we can best support each other and our children and our friends through these periods of time that they're going through. Um, you touched on that your doula mentioned that you'll go through a postpartum mm-hmm. season. How are you doing now? Yeah, I'm good. I'm good. Um, I I did try and nourish myself and look after my body. And I, like I, I said, I, I nourish your body. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I did really throw myself into trying to, you know, be really conscious of, of how I was treating my body and and the process that I was kind of going through. And that's really been helpful for me. But I'm I am someone who would who likes to face things head on. Like I would I like to, you know, go and do the psychologist appointment, talk, talk about it, write about it, get it out. Um, and that has helped me that has helped me a lot because I do like I still have days where I get sad um you know about it particularly because it's coming up to um the due date so that's always going to be like hard yeah um but I think I think for the for the majority of it I, I feel I feel good and at peace and um in acceptance and surrender and I would recommend as well a book if there's anyone who's listening um, who is experiencing trouble with conceiving or um, who's experienced loss there's a book called Spirit Babies um, which is also really beautiful and helpful um, for anyone. Amazing I might put that in the show notes. Um, just touching on my experiences as a child, I suppose, at my first experience with miscarriage, um, and you know, you being a mother as well, I'm sure this is something a conversation that you've had to have recently. But I remember my mum being on the phone, I might have been 11 or 12, she was on the phone to a, um, someone and she mentioned that she'd lost a pregnancy between my brother and I. And I just remember feeling like Firstly, inquisitive. I was like, what do you mean? Like I could have had a baby sister. I always wanted a baby sister and I was confused and I asked her about it when she got off the phone and she just said, I said, why didn't you tell me that I could have had a baby brother or sister? And she said, "We, you just don't talk about it. Mm-hmm. And from that, it was like a conditioned belief that I've had ingrained to my soul. You just don't talk about it. So if someone I knew experienced a miscarriage and I knew that they had, I wouldn't acknowledge it. And now I can reflect and see that that was such the opposite thing that they needed at that time mm-hmm. um and t- I want my kids to be able to talk about it as well I was listening to an ep- one of your episodes recently where you're talking about your menstrual cycles and things and how I can't remember who the interview was with sorry but um she was saying how you need to talk about your bleed and your menstrual cycle with your children and make it just common and don't you know and I'm when I was listening to what you replied with, I was like, oh, I do that too. Like sometimes I'm like, oh, I won't show the girls. Like I don't want them to know. Mm. It's a bit of a secret. Um, 
they're not ready for that yet. Like I don't want to frighten them. And I, I guess that as parents and mothers, we don't, we want to protect our kids and keep that innocence for as long as not let them feel heartache and loss. But at the same time, protecting them from this type of experiences, I suppose, might be doing more harm than good. Yeah, I guess um, with the loss one, to be honest with you, I would have preferred to have been able to protect him from that one. Um, my son knew that we were having, that I was pregnant, and that's probably been one of the most difficult parts of it for me. Um, oh, and I'll take a breath there. It's okay. Take your time. You're a strong woman, Nikki, and your son's going to just know that he was raised by such a strong, incredible and capable, brave woman. And you should be really proud of that. Yeah, um, that's. I think that's probably been one of the hardest parts to me in, in with the um, with the benefit of hindsight. I probably yeah. um, would have done things a little bit differently there in terms of sharing it with him. Um, so, yeah, I guess in terms of the... Um, the loss, I, I don't know that that I would, I mean, to each their own, but for me I think I will go into it differently um, next time. In terms of um, the menstrual cycle and being able to talk to our kids about that, I feel like that's um, a sort of a different thing. Like I still struggle oh, completely with my son. Completely different, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Completely um, different things, but I suppose I just resonated with what you're saying there in that episode yeah. and I was like... You know, when do we open the door for these conversations? Mm. You know, how long do we keep their innocence for when this is information that, you know, I had as a kid and that was just from there. I just never spoke of it ever again. Mm, Yeah. Um, I think like with the um with the cycle i think with with particularly with girls there's really beautiful ways to be able to share that with them i have a friend who has a little girl and um she goes oh mummy's on her moon time and it's like oh. her special yeah and it's like it's beautiful and she knows about it about periods and she's 5 and um she sees it as as like oh that's mummy's time to rest you know that's mummy's moon time and it's very special um and so i think there are ways to have the conversation in an age appropriate kind of way without sort of getting them um too involved but yeah it's tricky i mean you can barely go to the bathroom by yourself I know that's my situation, like so. It's <laughs> it's hard, um, but but yeah. In terms of um, being able to have conversations with them, I think they're so much wiser than we give them credit for. Like we, they know what's going on. They know when something's up, and they're so um, so intuitive and so wise with what they say. And um, yeah, I, I think they're 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 switched on. <laughs> Yeah, they certainly are. Just digressing a little bit. I know obviously it's been such a different year for everyone in the world right now and there's so much shift externally in our world, but you personally have had a huge 12 months in terms of your growing business and creating online courses for women along with a huge year of personal growth. I would love to know what do you feel has been your biggest lesson the last 12 months? Um, I think I reflected on this before we chatted and I think the um, biggest lesson for me would be surrender, which I feel like is just totally the lesson with motherhood in general is like surrendering to to what is rather than what we think it should be, whether that's our day. You know, we wake up in the middle uh, in the day and we've like got all these plans and then our kids throw everything, <laughs> you know. Yeah, that daycare gets cancelled, you've got yeah. two kids at home. <laughs> Yeah, yep. so there's. I feel like that's a constant sort of lesson um, for for me. 
but I think definitely more surrender this year in terms of surrendering to what it is rather than what I think it's meant to look like in terms of my timeline. Cause I, you know, I'm a planner. I like to have my little plan. I had my plan for 2020. I sat down at the start of the year and wrote out my goals and had my schedule. And then life just came along and was just like, that's not actually going to be happening <laughs> this time. Yeah. And that can be really hard because we don't want to, we want to feel in control and we want to um, be able to have things happen when we want to happen. So um, I was talking to someone recently and I was um, saying that I was really learning, like, get off your timeline, Nikki. Mm. Like, your timeline says this, but get off that timeline because that's not the timeline of when it's happening. Maybe there is a better timeline. Maybe there is a better sort of thing that's coming and I just can't see it right now. And I know that that's been the um, lesson so much um, just in general throughout life is that, you know, we go into things, go into life with these plans and sometimes things happen. And while we can't see it in the moment, down the track with the benefit of hindsight, you can see that things were always moving in the right direction, even if it didn't feel like it was at the time. So that's probably been my biggest lesson is just embracing that, that I can go into the year with intention. I can go into my day with intention, but also have flexibility in terms of knowing that it's not always going to be on my timeline and that's okay. And that's been, you know, for the, um, for us wanting to have another baby, but also for business, you know, this year I had so many plans of what I was going to do um, for for dear mama, um, and I had a time frame, and that hasn't really worked, and that's okay. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, I loved it. <clears throat> you said surrender. Like I resonate so much with that. As we were talk- talking before we hit record, I have four kids half the time, and then it switches to two, and I definitely feel like I have this Wonder Woman hat where I switch hats every week. It's different because I have two almost prepubescent girls who one of them's going to be a teenager in a couple of years and they're definitely full on it makes their house a lot busier and I love that and sometimes they're so helpful and it's actually easier with them there because I've got two big kids helping with the babies and then they go and I'm like oh what now but then you know and then I go back to just the two babies and it's on your own every day with just the two kids and yeah I definitely resonate with surrendering and surrendering to whatever the universe has planned for you in that day in that week in that month because if we don't it becomes really overwhelming and we become disconnected with ourselves and I think we get resentful and Mm -hmm. We carry these uh, these frustrations and angers at the things that didn't go to plan, but it's like, well, maybe it is going to plan and we just don't know yet. A hundred percent. And I totally agree in terms of what you're saying about when we don't surrender, we, re- we resist and then mm. we end up experiencing anger, frustration, you know, and it, it just, it's almost like adds to the experience. There's a quote, um, which I'm going to read out because yeah, this yeah. helped me so, so much. And I shared it a little, um, a little while ago, but so the quote is every day we're given a choice. We can relax and float in the direction the water flows, or we can swim hard against it. If we go with the river, the energy of a thousand mountain streams will be with us. If we resist the river, we will feel rankled and tired as we tread water stuck in the same place. That's by Elizabeth Lesser. And I feel that to my bones because when I embrace whatever's happening, whether that be, you know, my kid's throwing a tantrum or I'm, I, this isn't working, this isn't going in the direction that I want to be, I, I float with it. But when we fight against it, we're treading water and we burn all of our energy 
fighting it rather than yeah. creating solu- creative solutions to whatever the situation is. Oh my God. I, that's just like, I feel that in my heart. That is incredible. I'm going to steal that. Is that on your Instagram? I definitely need to steal it. <laughs> um, you just touched on earlier about living with intention and I'd love to ask you more about that, what that means for you and what are some practices that you do have in place to cultivate a life, I, I, alignment, intention or balance, you know, however you want to put it. Mm-hmm. Um, so for me, intention is really just bringing awareness to something. So we can bring awareness to anything. So awareness to how we um, make a cup of tea, awareness yep. to how we sit down and have a conversation with someone, awareness to how we live our day. And I think when you're talking about it in that um, sort of way, it's just about bringing consciousness to whatever we're doing so we're not doing something unconsciously. So, for example, um, for me, before I started on my own sort of like personal development, self-development journey, I would, you know, focus on a to-do list. I would have my to-do list of things I wanted to do and if those things weren't done, then the day was, you know, over. Like I had not succeeded, whereas I found that that really sort of set me up for failure because motherhood is so unpredictable and we have to be flexible. So instead of having, or I still have to-do lists, but instead of making that the be-all and end-all, I'd go into my days with an intention. So I'd go, okay, today I'm with my son. The intention of my day, the purpose of my day is to find joy and to connect with him. And so that would be the purpose of the day. So that would be whenever I had a moment I was trying to focus on experiencing, creating an experience that was enriching to me and obviously to him as well. Um, So I think that for me has been really powerful, like thinking about, okay, if I'm meeting with my friend, what is my intention? Like, do I want to connect with her? Do I want to help her feel supported or am I looking for support? Um, And I think when you start going into day-to-day experiences like that, it helps you find growth and find um, a deeper kind of meaning in Mm -hmm. things that are pretty mundane sometimes, you know, like Mm -hmm. sometimes it can be mundane, you know, being at home, hanging out the washing or whatever it is. But when you're bringing some intention to your day, it can make things feel richer and more. I feel like it'll stop you living, like existing. You're just existing. It'll bring you to live with this intention and be so aware of, what you're doing in your actions. A hundred percent. And yeah, I agree. That's actually a really nice way to sort of frame it is that sometimes it it does feel like we're just existing, you know, we're our to-do list. We've just got to get through these next few tasks. We've just got to pay the bills. I've just got to, you know, make the dinner. And it feels like we're just these robot machines doing things Mm -hmm. and we're not actually having a life that feels enriching to us. And that's Mm -hmm. certainly how I um, was feeling was just like, you know, the sum of my days was what I could get done. And that's not really what I want. And when I sort of stood back from it, um, that was like the big lesson I took away was that I wanted to be more than just a doing machine. Yeah. Wow. That actually hits home for me (laughs) a lot right now, because I feel like that's probably something that I need to go through and, and change in my life because I'm, I'm a to do list girl, like, like you were, I suppose. And have some non-negotiables, I guess, with, with some things in my day. But I was finding myself a little while ago really overwhelmed when I was having just the at-home days with my son because I had this endless to-do list. And, 
he's just there and I have so much to do and I'm trying to get it all, like juggle it in between him. And I think getting rid of a to-do list and just showing up with more intention and saying I intend to spend time, this quality time with my son and the to-do list can wait is just so important. Yeah, and even like, you know, the reality is we do have stuff we have to do, unfortunately. (laughs) (laughs) It would be really nice if we didn't, but even just to do those things with like an intention behind it. So it's like I am, you know, I've got to do the washing, but I'm my intention for today is to find joy. So how can I like engage my child in doing this and find a way to make it a little bit more fun? Like, you know, it's going to be like amazing, but is there a way that we can be going through the the mundane things that we have to go through but bringing a little bit more intention to how we're doing it and yeah. having that flexibility as well in terms of if the things aren't going to plan it's okay to let it go and surrender <laughs> oh, totally agree nikki we'll wrap this chat up but i do feel like i could spend all day talking to you and learning from you um you've taught me so much over the last couple of years thank you so much for everything that you're doing in women's health and in the space online and everything and just showing up as your yourself so raw and real like I just connect so well with you online and I'm loving what you're doing for women who do want to connect with you where's the best best places they can find you yeah um I have um a website dearmamaproject.com I'm on Instagram at dearmamaproject um I have a podcast as well um and yeah I'm usually mostly on Instagram my hanging out online (laughs) amazing i'll put all that in the show notes great thanks so much for having me thank you for joining me thank you for listening to today's episode of inside out i really want to grow in this space and make sure these stories and experiences are heard if this episode resonated with you i would love to hear from you please leave me a review and hit subscribe to ensure you don't miss our next conversation. Please also join me on Instagram and let me know what you thought about this episode at Inside Out with Chris. I can't wait to share more with you really soon.